The story goes that there were four men arguing over the best translation of the Bible. The first man said, I believe the best translation is the King James Version because of the beauty and the reverence of its language. The second man said, no, I think it's the New American Standard Version because of how accurate it is in translating the original text. The third man said, no, neither of you are correct. The best translation is the New International Version because of how easy it is to read. The fourth man, having heard what all the others said, paused for a moment and says, you know what? Personally, uh, the translation I think's best is the one that my mother has given to me. They looked at her, him, and asked, has your mother translated the Bible? He said, yes. She has taken every page of the Bible and turned it into life. And that is the most beautiful and the most complete and confident translation that I have ever seen. Well, obviously, we would say that that mother is worthy of honor. And that is what this Sunday is all about in terms of as we worship the Lord is to give honor to our mothers. Scripture tells us in Exodus chapter 20 and in verse 12 that we are to honor our father and our mothers that our days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord has given to you. Also in Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me for just a moment, but in Ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 1, this is reinstated for us through Paul in his letter to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so we are instructed through the Word of God to honor our parents. But this morning, I want to look at the other side of that coin. Yes, we're instructed to honor our parents, but in Scripture, we're also instructed as parents to parent honorably. And I want to take a look at that this morning as we look into Scripture, just uh, point out a few things to you. Obviously, we can't cover this whole subject in one message, but I think I can share some things with you biblically and practically that each and every one of us as parents and as grandparents that we can take with us and just continually evaluate ourselves as we are seeking to raise our children in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. So there's five things I'd like for you to just write down. We'll begin with the most obvious up front, and that is when we are parenting honorably, uh, we will begin by loving them. And by loving them, I'm talking about intentional acts and words of love that's going to make a difference in their life. So if you take your Bibles, I want you to first of all look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know it as the love chapter. But I want to point out the first three verses because in those first three verses, Paul describes for us and explains to us how important love really is. So let's look at it together and, and just get a few words of comments in between as we think of it in terms of parenting and parenting 
honorably before our children. He begins in verse 1 and he writes this, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a claiming symbol. Parents, we need to understand, doesn't matter how religious we are, doesn't matter how uh, we build our faith into our family week in and week out and day in and day out, if, if the motivation from, from us as we're trying to teach our children is not love, and what I mean by that, genuine love, the love he's talking about here, a love that is intentional in terms of performing acts of love and sharing words of love that's going to make a difference in their life, then the truth of the matter is our faith, our religion is just a noisy sound to our children. He adds this in verse 2. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. You may be like me. I don't know. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was seven. And so I've had a number of years, obviously, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and for my faith to grow. I haven't reached that point, I guess, where Jesus was talking about that uh, in his name, by faith in God, we can speak to a mountain and it'll move. But even if we got to that point, we had that strong of a faith, what Paul is telling us is that if the motivation behind that is not love and our children can see that it's not really love, it's just going through the motion, so to speak, then it amounts to absolutely nothing as far as having an impact upon their lives. And then thirdly, he adds this in verse 3, and if I give all my possessions to, feel, to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And so we could be generous parents. I'm talking today not just about to our moms, but of course to moms and dads and grand, granddads and grandmothers and all, all of us in that position to have an impact. And saying we can be as generous, we can be giving, and we can be reaching out and helping people. But if our children see that the motivation is, is self, is bringing self-glory, it's not motivated by true godly love in our hearts, then really even that amounts to nothing in their lives. And so when we talk about that parenting honorably begins by loving them, I want to make sure you understand just how powerful and important true love really is, and they've got to see that in our lives. But what does this look like practically? We talk about loving our children. Let me just give you some practical things here, just three words I want you to write down again. doesn't cover, it never comes close to covering this, this subject, but it gives us something to think about, be praying about, evaluate our parenting by. Uh, these three words I'd like for you to write down. First of all, the word time. How incredibly important it is for us to give our children our time. By that I mean our undivided attention. Now I get it. Time is a very valuable commodity in our lives. I struggle with it weekly. I struggle with it daily. Uh, my family will tell you that trying to just 
build everything into my life. It needs to be there. And so I understand, uh, especially in this day and time, even though in this unusual season, things are shifting a little bit, but still, time is very, very valuable. But let me add this. As valuable of a commodity time is, it is nothing compared to the value of your children. And it's so incredibly important. You, you, you see, parenting involves giving children what they need and not what they want. But you see, by giving them time, your undivided attention, you're actually accomplishing both. You're giving them what they need and you're giving them what they want, even though they might not yet understand how important that is in their life. And so we need to love them by giving them time in our lives, intentionally building that in. Second word I want you to put down is not just time, but I want you to put down touch. And by touch, I'm talking about physical affection. Of course, I'm talking about it in a manner that is proper, that is godly, uh, but it is so incredibly important. Study after study shows that as human beings, uh, physical affection is a very important part of our health. Our health physically and emotionally and mentally and even spiritually. We, he, God created us to express affection to one another. And uh, it is so incredibly important. Miss Libcote, some of you remember her. She was uh, the church pa pianist here for a number of years. Just a godly lady. Loved her so much. Everybody loved Miss Lib. And Miss Lib would say to me on several occasions, she'd say, you know what? People need seven hugs a day to be healthy. Well, truth of the matter is, she was right in this sense. We need physical affection. We need to hug. We need to just a simple touch uh, to be able to express um, love to one another. And so I'll leave you with this little thought. Because as human beings, we need that affection. If we do not give our children that physical affection they need, which is simply sending a message, you're of worth and you're of value and you're important, they'll find that physical affection somewhere else. And so you need to give them time. We need to give them time. We need to give them that proper touch, that physical affection uh, that they need in life to sense their value and their worth. Thirdly, I'd like for you to write down the word uh, tender care. And, and by that, I'm really focusing in on one area, and that area is listening. Listening. Not just hearing our children, but actually giving a listening ear to what they are saying. You know, for, for many parents, and, and been there, done this, so... I guess I'm speaking to myself obviously as well. It's the only exercise we get with our children is that we jump to conclusions with them. In other words, we hear them, we jump to a conclusion, but we do not listen to them. Let me tell you how important that is. Just to give them the opportunity to explain themselves. Now, they may be totally 
off the wall. They may not be anywhere close to really understand the truth of the matter, but it's important as a parent, even as a grandparent, to hear what they're thinking, to be able to know the, the process in which they are looking at this subject or this incident or this circumstance, whatever it is that they're sharing with you, we need to take time to listen to what they're saying and know why they're saying it so then through the help of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, we can begin to show them the truth that they are missing. Uh, Unfortunately, there are also going to be times you're going to discover that, as I have in my life, jumped to a conclusion, and I was wrong. And when I finally listened to what they were saying, I began to realize that. It's kind of like the story of the young boy named Johnny. Little Johnny was sitting at the dinner table with mom and dad and some of the others, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he just asked the question, is it okay to eat worms? irritated his mother who thought he was just trying to be cute. Said, Johnny, quit bringing up subjects like that while we're trying to eat. You just kind of hush and eat your meal. So Johnny hushed and went back to eating his meal. A few moments later, the mom still rather irritated that he would bring up a subject like that at the, at the table. So she said, Johnny, why did you even bring that up? And he said, well, Mom, I, I just saw this worm in your salad that you were about to eat and was wondering if it was okay for it to be there. So sometimes we need to listen. We need to ask why and hear what they really have to say. And so we start by loving them uh, through time and through touch and through tender care, understanding how powerful, how important it is for us to intentionally, purposefully love our children. Second thing I want you to write down is not only by loving them, but also by limiting them. Oh, this is so important. I want to share a passage with you out of the Old Testament, uh, out of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to turn there with me, 1 Samuel and chapter 3, and in verse 13, this is the word of the Lord to uh, the, the priest Eli. And here, here's what he said to him. He says, for I have told him, he says, for I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, key phrase, he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Now, let me just make a couple of statements here that sounds almost contradictory, but I think you understand it. We must limit our children to free our children. We have a responsibility to liberate our children by establishing limitations in their lives, setting boundaries in their lives, and setting uh, consequences uh, that's going to happen if they go beyond those boundaries. In reality, we're setting them free. Eli here did not set boundaries. He did not establish limits with his children. He established no consequences for their actions. And the end result is it brought disaster, not only into their, his son's lives, but into his life as well. Even in the Garden of Eden, when you think about it, uh, as God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he gave them 
all that they could possibly need and and probably we could say even things that they would want but he did set a limitation he did that out of love to protect them from what would harm them they challenged that limitation our children are going to challenge our limitations the boundaries that we set the consequences that we establish but out of love we establish those limits because it builds security in their heart and soul. You see, whether they can articulate this or not, or even understand it, they will later on, but as they're growing up, that they understand that by setting limits, it's because we love them, because we care. And when we don't set those limits, and there are no consequences for their actions, inwardly they begin to understand or believe at least we really don't care. And when they begin to think we really don't care, then they lose that sense of security and that opens the door for that old sinful nature in them which we have as well so we understand what we're talking about here to lead them to a spirit of rebellion. And so it's incredibly important that we love them but also that we set limits for them. Third thing that I want you to write down, and by the way, this is, just talking about limits, I want to make sure I give you this. It's also reiterated in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6 and in the latter part of verse 4 where um, uh, Paul writes uh, simply this. He says, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So what he is saying is you've got to, you got, we've got to set the limits, we've got to set the boundaries. We use the truth of the word of God to do that. This is what is right before God. This is what is right before your fellow man. And we set those boundaries for them and it strengthens them instead of weakens them. It liberates them in life instead of uh, holding them back in life. And so we, we uh, parent honorably by loving them, by limiting them. Thirdly, I want, to write, want you to write them by lifting them, by lifting them. Look, look at this verse in Colossians uh, chapter 3 and in verse 21. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Uh, here is a word. It's speaking of fathers. But again, I'm talking about all parenting, fathers and mothers today. I know it's Mother's Day, but... Uh, all parenting that says, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. You know, sometimes as parents, we think all we're doing is correcting them, correcting them, <laughs> and correcting them. Because as I said earlier, like us, they have that old sinful nature and is always trying to raise this ugly head as they're growing and and as they're learning, and so we just find ourselves correcting that attitude and correcting those words and correcting those actions and those decisions. So it's absolutely essential. This is what Paul is teaching here, that we are intentional on also praising them and encouraging them every opportunity we get. 
And so we got to be looking for those things. There's got to be a balance. Do we need to correct them? Absolutely. We have that responsibility as parents. Set the limits. Set the boundaries and, and uh, the consequences and teach them as they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Discipline them and, and helping them to grow up in the faith. But we need to let them know of their worth and their value. That there's nothing going to ever change how much we love them. And we need to let them know of just how important they are. And that comes through the words of praise. And that comes through words of encouragement. That comes through words of edification. We're building them up. Every time they make the right decision, I don't care how small it may be. Every time they, they demonstrate the right attitude. Or they demonstrate uh, taking the right action or choosing not to do something, and that was the right choice before the Lord. We need to celebrate that with them, with words. Sometimes maybe even beyond words. If it's something that really is that significant of a decision that, that glorifies the Lord and shows that they understand and, and they're making good choices, maybe we go out and have a celebration. But it involves not just, parenting honorably involves not just loving them as important as that is and limiting them, but it also involves lifting them up. And we have to be intentional. You say, well, I'm not a Barnabas. That is, I'm not an encourager. You can always choose to encourage, whether that's your nature or not. Uh, it is something we can intentionally choose to do. And as parents and as grandparents, with our children, with our grandchildren, we need to look for every opportunity to celebrate that which is right in their lives and to build that precious balance that they need uh, emotionally and mentally and even spiritually in their lives. And so parenting honorably involves loving them and involves limiting them and involves lifting them up. Uh, fourthly, uh, I want you to write this down, involves leading them as well. If you turn with me uh, to Proverbs, a, a proverb you've probably heard many times in your life, and I just want to take a look at it for a few moments right here. It's Proverbs uh, chapter 22 and in verse 6. Proverbs 22 and in verse 6. And here's what the Scripture says. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, let me clarify something here. This is a proverb. It is not a promise. Every direct promise of God is going to be fulfilled exactly the way God says it's going to be fulfilled. But this is a proverb. It is not a promise. You say, well, what's a proverb? Proverb is an observable uh, action that, that generally comes to this very particular conclusion. In other words, if you do this more times than not, this is exactly what's going to happen here. And that's what he's saying here. If you take the action to train up your child in the way that he or she should go, then later in their life they will not depart from it. Most of the time that is exactly what happens. 
But the key word that I want you to see here is the word train. How do we train people? Uh, most of the time we're training people, we train them with our, with our words and our works, or with our lips and with our life. That is, we explain it to them, and then we exemplify it to them. We explain it, and then we show it. If I were coaching and, and I was coaching, let's say, the quarterbacks of a football team and I was wanting them to know the mechanics, the right mechanics of what it is to be able to, where you hold the ball and the whole process of passing that ball, throwing that ball, I would explain it to them, but I would show it to them. I would exemplify that. We would explain it, show it, explain it, show it. Give them the opportunity to try it and to do it, then come back and explain it and show it. That's how we train. It's just not saying, oh, this is what you need to do. No. Training involves direct personal involvement. And so as a parent, as a grandparent, if I'm going to train my child or train my grandchildren, then I'm going to explain it and show it. I'm going to explain it with my lips and show it with my life with my words and my work. They've got to hear it and they've got to see it. And so we need to lead them the right way. And the right way is to train them. And so if we want them to go the way of the Lord, which is the only way we should want them to go, then we got to explain what that is. We got to show it to them. They got to see it in our lives, see it in if we expect that as they grow and start dealing with all the issues of life and all the challenges of life and they go through their seasons of life we won't when they come to the end of their life they're still embracing the way of the Lord and the word of the Lord in their life then we train them we train them with our lips we explain it we train them with our life we exemplify it and so we need parenting honorably means by loving them, by limiting them, by lifting them up, by leading them. And let me close with this one, by laughing with them. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Look with me in Proverbs 17 for just a moment. Proverbs 17 and in verse 22. And here's what the scripture says. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine. I love this verse. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. What an incredible word. So here's what I'm saying to you. Lighten up. I didn't say loosen up. I, I didn't say loosen up the standards of the Word of God. That's, that's not what I'm talking about when, uh, when, I, when I say this. I, when I say lighten up, it means that we need to make every effort to make our homes a happy home, a, a place where there is joy. Life is going to happen. There's going to be some tough times. We've already gone through them. We're going through some right now with this coronavirus crisis that we're having to deal with. And some having to go through it more than others. But life is going to happen. So there's going to be hard times. There's going to be down times. There'll be times where you will grieve as a family. 
but I want to encourage you to make a, your home a happy home, a, a time where uh, there's laughter, a time where everybody's relaxed and just enjoying one another, uh, maybe even being a little silly with one another, but just a place that uh, when they think of home, they think of a place of joy, they think of a place of happiness, a place of love. And so lighten up a little bit. Don't loosen up, but lighten up. And I believe by parenting honorably, uh, we're giving our children the motivation in their heart and lives by loving them, by limiting them, by lifting them, by leading them, by laughing with them, that they will rise up and call us blessed. That's for our mothers and that's for our fathers. That's for all who are in a position to raise our precious children up in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. I hope you have a blessed day, and moms, especially you, that you have a blessed day on this Mother's Day. And so, Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for your word. And, Lord, that we can share. We know we just scratched the surface today in talking about these subjects. But, Lord, again, your word is so true. And it becomes the foundation for everything else we do. So take your word and bless it into our lives as parents so that we can bless it into the lives of our children. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.